From the campus of Harvard Medical School, this is Think Research, a podcast devoted to the stories behind clinical research. I'm Abby. And I'm Brendan, and we're your hosts. Think Research is brought to you by Harvard Catalyst, Harvard University's Clinical and Translational Science Center. And by NCATS, the National Center for Advancing Translational Sciences. In 2017, we sat down with Dr. Joanne Manson, a leader of the vital study at Brigham and Women's Hospital. Dr. Manson discussed with us the importance of vitamin D and omega-3s and the possibilities of these supplements preventing cancer, heart disease, stroke, and more. Two years later, we are re-airing this episode to lead up to our second conversation with her as we revisit the vital study and the discoveries made. Dr. Manson is a professor in the Department of Epidemiology at the Harvard T.H. Chan School of Public Health and the Chief of the Division of Preventative Medicine and Co-Director of the Connor Center for Women's Health and Gender Biology at Brigham and Women's Hospital. Hello, Dr. Manson. Welcome to the show. Hello, Abby. Um, We're excited to talk to you about the VITAL study, but before that, we wanted to ask a bit about your background and how you got into the incredible work you do for women's health. Well, I trained in internal medicine and endocrinology. So I've had an interest in women's health and vitamin D for a very long time. But I became particularly interested in testing what works and what doesn't work because um, I was concerned that very often clinicians don't have rigorous evidence for making decisions, and very often the public doesn't have clear answers, even about supplements that they may be taking over the counter. And in order to do that kind of research, I realized I needed to go back to school and actually train in research methods and epidemiology, biostatistics. And I went back to um, the Harvard School of Public Health and did a doctorate in epidemiology and um, then became very actively involved in research, including randomized uh, clinical trials, testing a number of interventions. Can you tell us the story behind what drew you to the work you're doing? Is there anything in particular that brought you to some of the women's health issues you look at? Um, one thing that influenced me um, earlier in, in my life was my, my mother died from ovarian cancer um, while I was very early in my medical training. And I realized that there was very little known about um, many of the conditions that uh, specifically affect women, and um, that there was really a need to uh, do more research in, in this area. And much of my research does touch on women's health in a number of ways. Like we've been uh, testing the balance of benefits and risks of um, estrogen therapy and um, many uh, nutritional interventions that um, women are often interested in terms of do they improve health or are they actually deleterious to health. So women's health has been a common theme um, throughout my research over the years. We've been reading about the large-scale trial that you're conducting, VITAL. How did you get involved with this study? Well, 
As an endocrinologist, I have had an interest in vitamin D for a very long time. It used to be believed that vitamin D was exclusively for bone health. Uh, calcium and vitamin D together help to uh, promote bone health and prevent fractures. But by 2006, 2007, it became increasingly clear that vitamin D might have a broader role, even um, a role in reducing the risk of cancer and cardiovascular disease. But there hadn't been large-scale randomized clinical trials of moderate to high dose uh, supplements of vitamin D. So I became very interested in testing vitamin D supplements um, and looking at the balance of benefits and risks of uh, the supplements. Also, the omega-3 fatty acids um, were looking promising for reducing the risk of cardiovascular disease. And they had been tested mostly in secondary prevention in high-risk individuals, but they hadn't yet been tested in primary prevention. And um, there had been observational studies suggesting that people who eat uh, fish have lower risks of heart disease, but often association you know, or, or correlation doesn't prove causation. And so we were interested in testing um, directly in a randomized clinical trial whether these uh, supplements of omega-3 fatty acids could reduce the risk of heart disease and stroke in people without a prior history of these conditions. And it sounds even from that, that answer that you're kind of answering my next question, which is, what is the vital study and what are you aiming to learn from the participants in your study? So the aims of the vitamin D and omega-3 trial or vital are to test whether um, vitamin D at a dose of 2,000 IUs a day or the omega-3 fatty acids, long chain, EPA, DHA at a dose of one gram a day uh, reduce the risk of cancer and cardiovascular disease. It's what we call a two-by-two factorial design, so we can test the independent and the joint effect of the vitamin D and omega-3 supplements. It's not a combined um, pill or what's called a cocktail design where you can't disentangle the effects of the two interventions. So we actually have four treatment groups, but it enables us to look separately at the effects of each intervention. At the time, in um, 2007, 2008, when we submitted the application to the National Institutes of Health to seek funding for the trial, um, these two interventions did appear to be the most promising nutritional supplements for um, prevention of cardiovascular disease and cancer. In addition to the primary outcomes of cardiovascular disease, and cancer. We're also looking at the effects of the vitamin D and the omega-3 fatty acids on many ancillary study outcomes, including effects on the risk of developing diabetes, uh, hypertension, cognitive decline, depression, and mood changes, infections such as upper respiratory infections or hospitalization for pneumonia or sepsis or serious infections, um, as well as autoimmune diseases 
and many other health outcomes. We actually have more than 20 ancillary studies in vital. So at the end of the trial, we'll have a very good idea of the balance of benefits and risks in terms of a wide range of health outcomes. Have vitamin D and omega-3 fatty acids been studied before? Although there haven't been large-scale randomized clinical trials of these supplements in primary prevention, there have been a number of studies suggesting a promising role um, of vitamin D and omega-3s in reducing the risk of chronic disease. Mostly, there have been observational studies. So there have been several studies looking at blood levels of omega-3s, um, or whether people tend to have a, a diet that's high in fish um, as opposed to red meat or, or other components of the diet um, in relation to their risk of heart disease, stroke, diabetes, cancer. And um, for vitamin D, the, uh, these studies have suggested that generally those who have a um, higher blood level of vitamin D do have a lower risk of many of these chronic disease outcomes. But the key question has been whether um, vitamin D blood level is a marker for good health or whether there's a true uh, cause and effect relationship. We know that there are many potential confounding factors. For example, uh, people who have lower blood levels of vitamin D may be less likely to be outdoors frequently. Um, exercising people who are physically active are often outdoors, uh, walking, running, doing racket sports, and many of those activities can be uh, protective. And because sun exposure leads to um, some internal synthesis in the skin, of uh, vitamin D, uh, that physical activity and time spent outdoors can, in fact, uh, be a confounding uh, factor. Also, people who have um, poor diets may be less likely to have foods that um, have higher content of vitamin D, and they may have overall uh, a poor nutritional status. And so that could be why a low blood level of vitamin D is linked uh, to an increased risk of a chronic disease. In terms of the omega-3s and the link that's been found between um, fish intake and a lower risk of heart disease, this could be a true uh, cause and effect relationship, or it could be um, just an association related to the fact that people who uh, tend to have more fish also tend to have less red meat, and they may have an overall dietary pattern that is healthier, such as um, higher intake of fruits and vegetables and um, polyunsaturated fats rather than saturated fats or trans fats. They, they, it may be more related to their overall dietary pattern. So it's really the randomized clinical trial that can then test whether you can have health benefits by taking a supplement of omega-3 fatty acids. Are there mechanisms that would suggest these supplements will be of benefit? Although we don't yet have conclusive evidence that these supplements reduce 
the risk of heart disease, stroke, and cancer. There is promising research on biological mechanisms suggesting that they could, in fact, have these benefits. So, for example, with vitamin D, there's evidence for an anti-inflammatory effect, um, what we call immune modulation. Um, so not only a reduction in inflammation, but also a potential role in improving the immune response to, um, for example, in fighting infections. Um, also with vitamin D, there's um, evidence for a, a blood pressure lowering effect and um, some improvement in insulin sensitivity and glucose tolerance. So a number of pathways associated with cardiovascular disease do appear to be affected by vitamin D supplementation in animal studies and in limited um, research and humans. Um, for the omega-3s, we do know that um, there's an anti-inflammatory effect and also an effect in reducing uh, blood, blood clotting and preventing irregular heart rhythms. So there are a number of uh, biological pathways that are affected by the omega-3s that may be relevant to reducing the risk of cardiovascular disease. You mentioned that you have nearly 26,000 participants in your study. How do you get that many participants nationwide? It is a challenge to recruit that many participants um, nationwide, especially when the goal is to have a diverse, representative uh, study population. However, we're fortunate in our Division of Preventive Medicine at Brigham and Women's Hospital to have extensive experience in recruitment of large study populations to test interventions. We've tested aspirin um, in the primary prevention of cardiovascular disease among 39,000 women around the country, but that was a health professional population. We've also um, tested aspirin and antioxidant vitamins in um, male physicians, um, tens of thousands of male uh, physicians, but again, that's a health professional uh, population. Um, with the VITAL trial, we did really want to have a multi-ethnic and diverse representative study population. And we approach this in a number of ways, including um, doing mass mailings um, through in cities throughout the United States, as well as some community-based um, recruitment and clinic-based na at uh, neighborhood health centers and various clinical practices, and through a number of approaches, we were able to have a very diverse uh, study population. But it, it does take um, uh, several years to recruit uh, nearly 26,000 participants, especially if they're going to be a, rep it's going to be a representative uh, study population. So when it appeared that um, vitamin D and omega-3 fatty acids were some of the most promising um, nutritional supplements um, available, we submitted a grant to the NIH. This was an investigator-initiated uh, grant and received funding in um, 2009. 
we then spent 2010 and um, 2011 um, with the initial recruitment um, and continued to recruit um, until March of 2014. So it was several years of recruitment in order to have um, that number of study participants. If a participant develops cancer, heart disease, um, or has a stroke after starting the trial, do you continue to follow those participants? And if so, why? We continue to follow everyone who's randomized. So we have nearly 26,000 participants in the trial. And they're nationwide. Every single state is represented um, throughout the country. And um, it's a very diverse study population. So we really um, hope to address the question of whether these supplements can reduce um, some racial ethnic disparities in health as well. But um, we want to follow every single participant for the full five years um, of the trial. There's an average duration of treatment of five years. And uh, we don't believe there are any safety uh, concerns for participants to continue to take the uh, study pills, even if they have um, sustained a heart attack, stroke, or, or cancer um, diagnosis. So they're, they're encouraged to continue taking the study pills. And, um, and some randomized trials have even tested these interventions in people who have a prior history, you know, expressly looking at secondary prevention. So we'll have a very good idea by um, the end of uh, 2017 when we complete the pill-taking portion and we begin analyses in early 2018, we'll have a, a very good idea of the overall balance of benefits and risks of these supplements. And you mentioned that for these participants, if they were to develop any of the diseases or condition states that you were talking about, that you tell them to continue to take the supplement. In the same strand, when you're done with the study, when people are done taking the pills, what's your recommendation to people moving forward as they exit the trial? So at the end of the trial, we will do the analyses. And um, once we receive the final questionnaire from the participants as to um, their, their health conditions, we get medical records to confirm all of the health outcomes that, that are reported. We get consent for medical record review from the participant. But we hope to be able to what we call unblind the uh, participants shortly after the end of uh, pill taking so they know what they had been um, taking for those five years. And we also will report to them the results of the trial uh, around the same time that these findings are published in a medical journal. And depending on the results, they will make a decision together with their clinician. We, we never do anything in the trial to interfere with um, their, their relationship with their physician or interfere with uh, what their own personal uh, physician is telling them to do for their health. Um, but based on the study results, it's likely that clinicians will either advise or not advise these supplements, and the public, in hearing the results of the trial, will be able to make decisions, some of them for themselves, because it's an over-the-counter of vitamin D and omega-3 um, supplements can be taken over-the-counter. Um, so 
Vital is coming to a close soon. Um, what's after Vital? Do you have new studies coming? Well, we're actually in the process of recruiting for another large-scale uh, randomized trial of nutritional supplements, and it's called the uh, Cocoa Supplement and Multivitamin Outcome Study, or COSMOS. And it's a trial of the cocoflavanols, which have looked promising for cardiovascular disease protection, and multivitamins, which seem to have a role in reducing uh, the risk of developing cancer, at least in men. And now we want to test in um, a diverse uh, study population of men and women. So we hope to enroll 18,000 participants in Cosmos, and that recruitment is well underway. We're about halfway uh, through recruitment, and um, that will run concurrently with Vital, but then we'll continue uh, several years past uh, Vital after pill taking ends in, in the Vital trial. In the future, we're also hoping to do a randomized trial of the Mediterranean diet, uh, the Mediterranean dietary pattern in the United States. That's a dietary pattern that has looked very promising, but it's been tested mostly in Europe and really don't have data on how feasible it is to have uh, a Mediterranean diet within the United States and to be compliant with such a diet and how it would relate to um, reducing risk of cardiovascular disease, cancer, diabetes, cognitive decline, and whether we would end up seeing some of the benefits that have been found in the European trials. Why do you do clinical research? What do you like about it? First, it's research that's done directly in human beings. So we never have to wonder about its relevance to humans, um, which sometimes is a question with animal research. And very often, animal research is highly relevant, and other times it's not. But these are studies that are done in large uh, populations and in human beings. And so um, we can assume that they're relevant to other human beings. Um, also, because the design is basically a flip of a coin in terms of the randomization, the, um, the beauty of the randomized clinical trial is that it, the randomization really ends up balancing out all those other factors that can um, sometimes be confounders in observational studies, um, such as with vitamin D, the physical activity, time outdoors, um, the uh, other aspects of the diet. If everything else is balanced out in the study population through the randomization process, then we can be more confident that any differences we see in rates of heart disease, stroke, cancer, diabetes, or any other outcome are due directly to the intervention, to the study pills. And so it's, it's very gratifying to get answers that could help inform um, decision-making for clinicians and for the public. Um, much, much of this research does relate to um, supplements or interventions that uh, can be taken over the counter. And um, people are often searching for a magic bullet 
um, and and often spending a lot of money uh, taking supplements where very little research has been done and don't know that the benefits outweigh the risks. So to be able to provide um, rigorous evidence for the public as to whether this is worthwhile. We, we hope that the benefits will outweigh the risks, but if we were to find that these supplements are not of benefit, which in fact has been found with some other trials, such as the trials of beta carotene and vitamin E and selenium, it's important information for the public to understand that they may be wasting their money on these supplements and even exposing themselves to risks because very little is known about long-term effects, and there's always um, the potential for some risk uh, with anything that you're um, ingesting, and especially in uh, pharmacologic doses or very high doses uh, compared to what you would get from food alone. So we think the um, information will be of importance for public health and will inform decision-making and um, public health recommendations. Thank you again for joining us, Dr. Manson. It has been a pleasure to have this conversation with you. Thank you, Avi. It's been wonderful talking with you. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please rate us on iTunes and help us spread the word about the amazing research taking place across the Harvard community. To learn more about the guests on this episode, visit our website, catalyst.harvard.edu slash thinkresearch.com.